Now, today I'm going to be um, talking about our spiritual responsibility as children of God. Our responsibilities as children of God. Hallelujah. Now, people come into the kingdom of God and there are so many promises that God has. And there are, but primarily God has things for us as children of God to do. Initially, nothing is required of you because you are, when you get saved, you're like a newborn baby. And the Bible says to desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. But as you begin to grow, God expects you to do some things. Hallelujah. There are things that we need to know. If we don't know them, um, we will be defeated. And we're not supposed to be defeated. Praise God. We are the body of Christ. Amen? We're the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, for as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. And we have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Just because you think that you're not a part of the assignment does not mean that you are not supposed to be a part of the assignment. What, what am I saying? You know, the body of Christ is in the spirit realm, one unit. Hallelujah. It's one whole body, just like a man has a head and the rest of his body. That's how the body of Christ is. Jesus is the head and the church in heaven and the church on the earth are the body. We're all one. Hallelujah. So we're part of one another in Christ. Amen? And the, the body has, a responsi has responsibilities toward God, toward themselves, towards ourselves as part of the body, and to one another. Amen? We all have spiritual responsibilities in the kingdom of God. Every child of God has his or, 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 his or her own spiritual responsibility or responsibilities. Some are collective, which are jointly held by all of us. And some are individual, and some are for a group of people. Praise the Lord. Every local assembly has its own responsibility in the body, in the universal body of Christ. You've got to be born again to be a part of the body of Christ. You have to believe that Jesus is the son of God and God raised him from the dead and declare it and be saved to be a part of this kingdom. Hallelujah. And everyone who's in this kingdom is in covenant with God. God is obligated to save you on the last day. That is the contract. 
That is the agreement. That when Jesus comes, he would not deny you. That is the agreement. Potentially, that is. Depending on what you decide, if you continue in him, that will be the end of the matter. Praise God. Now, he did some things that, or he said some things that we need to do so that we may remain in him, hallelujah, and do the things he called us to do. Those are responsibilities. Amen? Like, for example, you're responsible to read the word of God. Every child of God has the responsibility to read the word of God. Because if you don't know what is written, you would not know the things that are being given to you of God. And you wouldn't know what is right from what is wrong. So we're responsible to do some things in the kingdom of God. As children of God. To study the word of God is one of them. That's how you feed. One of the ways that you feed. First is that you, you, you come to church and we teach you. Hallelujah. We teach you. We teach you some of the We prime you as it were for you to go home, open the Bible and study have a time that you read the word of God. It's important for every child of God to do that. Hallelujah. Because if you don't do it, you will not observe to do what is in it. You will not know what is in it. And you wouldn't do well as a child of God. Anybody can deceive you. The Bible tells us that we should no longer be children tossed, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. When you know what God has said in his word, when some things come, you'll be able to reject them. And you'll be able to accept what is true. You will train your senses to be able to discern between good and evil. Hallelujah. Because we live in a day that men have defined love in a very giving love a very dangerous definition. And everything is love. And they've, they've created an idol out of the word love to the point where even Jehovah, even God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ cannot recognize himself in the midst of it. Because he can't be himself the way we're defining him. Except you study the word of God, you will not know that those definitions that men are given are figments of their own imagination. If a parent disciplines their child, um, they say that's not love. That you have to love like God, love unconditionally. Hallelujah. And I like to say that God is love. He is unconditionally loved, just like I'm unconditionally Pastor Charles. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you're unconditionally who you are. Does that then mean that I could just go into your bank account and take money from it? No. God is unconditionally loved, but people still go to hell. Think about it. 
So there must be something else. To just go around carrying it on our heads, God is unconditionally loved. I can kick him, he's loved. I can blaspheme him, he's loved. I can do anything with him, he's loved. The Bible does not agree with that kind of thinking. Hallelujah. Am I saying he's not loved? I, I, I did not say so. Now, it also says something, the Bible also, the word of God also says something that is profound. It says that we may know the height and the depth, the length and the breadth. If, if, that, is, if that is true, then it means that love has dimensions. That means it's, there is a definite part it goes. The parameters to the love. And Jesus made a statement. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Even as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. It gives love a, a location. Hallelujah. But you don't know these things except you study the word of God. And then the Lord said something in his word. He said, Every child I get, I chastise. He used another word there, scourge. And to scourge means to give a whooping. Hallelujah. It goes beyond correction. But you wouldn't know these things except you study the word of God and get to know that they are there. Another thing that is a responsibility that we have in the kingdom of God is to be in fellowship with other believers. Hallelujah. It's our responsibility to go to church. We're not supposed to be at home when other people are in church. No. It's a part of our service, our spiritual service. It's part of our responsibility as children of God. God has given us pastors Preachers, teachers, hallelujah, who will teach us the word of God. Glory be to God. And they have a place where they do so. In, in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, he said, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So we need to be in church. It's our duty to do that. It's our responsibility to do that. It's also our responsibility to bring our children to church. To the place where they hear the word of God. When they go to school, they learn things about this world. About math, geography, physics, stuff like that. They learn it in school. Although now some people have started introducing poison into the schools. So what's that? All this extra stuff. Gender dysphoria, trying to confuse children and stuff like that. But if your children are not taught, they will believe those things. Because college professors are now teaching young people that gender is a social construct. You see, when you remove the word of God, then there are no absolutes. So things become what we say that they are. And it is not so. 
Because gender is not a social construct. God made male and female. The Bible says male and female created him them and called them mankind. And God does not expect us to reason like the world or repeat the nonsense they're talking. Because they're going to be judged for those things that they're doing. And we know better. Obeying God's word and command is our wisdom before the nations. But to know the word of God, one, you've got to be in the right place where they're teaching you from the word of God, not just telling you stories about their cats and dogs. That's okay sometimes, but you have to hear the word of God. There should be public reading of the word of God. Hallelujah. The purpose of us coming to church is to hear someone traditionally read from the word of God and give us meaning and understanding. In the days of Nehemiah, the, the Bible says there that when the law was read before the children of Israel, the priests gave sense and understanding. And in the New Testament, in, 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 in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible tells us there why God gave the fivefold ministry. Hallelujah. He said, he says there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, and he gave some apostles and some pastors, prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. This is the purpose of us going to church, to hear the word of God. Now, in the, in the scriptures, when Jesus was talking about the rich man and Lazarus, you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? If you went to Sunday school, you would know. If you didn't go to Sunday school, you would not know. All right? <laughs> Now, are you maybe headed in church here? Praise God. All right. But this was what happened. The rich man had a lot of goods. And he was not reading the Torah. Because it was a Jew he was talking about. He was not reading the Torah. Which was the old, the Ten Commandments and the law. The, all, the, all the bylaws and the things that he had there. The statutes of God under the Old Testament and the prophets. He was not reading them. But God made him rich. And had he been reading them, he would have known to take care of Lazarus. But he didn't take care of Lazarus. And Lazarus eventually died. And the Bible says that the angels took him. Why? He was in covenant with God, the covenant of Abraham. And so God took him to paradise. The Bible also records Jesus said that the rich man also died. You know, some unscrupulous preacher says that's a parable. It was not a parable. He said a certain rich man. 
And the Bible does tell us that the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. That could not have been a parable. A parable is an illustration. Hallelujah. It wasn't a parable. So Jesus, he, he said that he now said to Abraham, Abraham, he said, Father Abraham, because he recognized him. Remember he was in covenant. That was why he called him Father Abraham. But he did not live according to the terms of the covenant. Hallelujah. And so, why? He was not going to the synagogues to hear the priests teach the law. So he wasn't listening. He didn't hear anything. He just lived the way he wanted. And he said, please ask Lazarus to dip his finger into water and bring it to me to quench my test. And what did Abraham say to him? He said, there's a big, like a valley, a gorge between both of us. No, none can cro cross from here to you or from you to us. And then he thought about it. He said, please, Father Abraham, send some Lazarus back to my brothers that they're still on the earth. They're living the way I was living. That if they see somebody from the dead, they will believe. What did Abraham say? He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, and he said, nay, Father Abraham, for if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. They will not be persuaded. But somebody is wondering, is asking, how will they hear Moses and the prophets? Moses was long gone before the prophets came. So what was he talking about? He was talking about the scriptures and public reading in the synagogues, just like people are taught in church. This is the very reason that in the book of Hebrews, it says to us, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's our duty to go to church, to go for fellowship with other believers. Because there we hear the word of God. There we are corrected if we're wrong. See, you know, uh, uh, and we are, we are encouraged to do what is right. And we hear testimonies of others and our faith grows. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you stop hearing, somehow the, the, your faith will begin to go down. It needs to be fed. It needs to be fed. You need to be reassured of what you heard. That which I heard yesterday. Is still the same today. Hallelujah. We need to keep hearing the word of God. We keep hearing it. We keep hearing it. And growing in it. Amen. Jesus, the apostle John said, we have 
we, we, we have gone from uh, uh, death unto life because we love the brethren. And Jesus' only commandment to us, at least primary commandment, he said, we know that we are passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. The only commandment he gave us was love. That's the primary commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples when you, love, when you have love one for another. How do you love the brethren if you're at home? Loving yourself and complaining all the time that nobody loves you. You see, that's how people get into depression. Because human beings were designed to associate with one another. It's not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. Approaching the day, what day? The day of Christ. The day of judgment. The day that is coming to come and reward people who are still in the church. People who are still in Christ. Still in Him. Doing what He said. 